This podcast is made possible through donations from listeners like you and our partners at Tallman Equipment, where they pride themselves on equipping their customers with the tools they need to get the job done right. They are dedicated to set the standard for quality, convenience, and reliability. At Tallman, your opinion is important to them. Rate and review any product or tool you've used on their new website at tallmanequipment.com. Line 11 Clothing Company. Making apparel for our first responders with a positive message to patriots that you can be proud of. A proceed of the cost goes to helping our foundation ignite the fire for father engagement. Give them a follow at Line11Clothing on Instagram. And last but not least, Monzingo Knives. Each knife is created with craftsmanship that only a tradesman could provide. Find them on Instagram at Monzingo Knives and get your American-made Monzingo knife today. Please welcome Pastor Neil Reyes. Well, thank you to uh, everyone who's here. Appreciate you guys taking time out of your day to invest in your uh, not only yourselves, but in your family as well, and just to uh, bless them. It's a blessing for me to be here. As Dave mentioned, he's a very close brother of mine, close enough that I see him uh, as blood. He's family to me, him and his family, his wife and his children. They're very dear to my family and my wife and I. Just to give you a brief intro to uh, who I am, my name's Neil Reyes. I'm the founder of Neil Reyes Ministries. We're a worldwide ministry based out of Fort Worth, Texas. And uh, we have a worldwide broadcast television show called Champions Walk. That's what David was mentioning a minute ago. In addition to that, we also have um, lots of social media platforms. We also have a podcast that we have called Champions Minute. And uh, we have many resources available. And uh, one of the things we just speak to is just on, you know, how to connect with the Lord better. Uh, a little bit about me is uh, I'm a husband going on 23 years. My wife and I married uh, around 21 years of age and uh, being blessed, we just celebrated a 22 anniversary. It's interesting because at times when I talk about my family, you know, one of the things I used to explain to my um, to people is when they would ask us, they could ask me the day after our anniversary and I'll mention them and say, hey, how long have you been married? And, you know, if it's we just had 22, I'm saying, oh, we're going on 23. And my wife asked me one day, she said, you know, why do you do that? She goes, I, I don't understand why you do that. She goes, when you say that, she goes, to me, what I hear is almost like what we have is not enough. It's always like you're always trying to plan for the future. And I said, well, I said, I, I never saw it from that perspective. And I go, but the way I see it, and I want you to know, is that I'm always looking towards the future. You know, Habakkuk 2.2 tells us in the word that to write the vision and make it plain. And one of the things I'm always looking at is I'm looking at the future. I'm not looking at the past. And while I celebrate where I've been, I'm always looking where I'm headed. I'm always looking for forward growth and how I'm going to help my family. And so I, when I talk about that and she understood that, she goes, okay. And I said, but if you want, babe, I will honor you. I won't mention that anymore. And she goes, you know what? I'm okay with that, actually. Now that I understand, uh, she actually grew to like it. And so we're going on 23 years of marriage. Praise God. Excited about that. It's a tremendous blessing. Um, very, very grateful for that. Uh, in addition to that, we have four children. Our four children that we have, I have a daughter. She's my oldest. She's 19 years old. Just uh, started her first year of college. She graduated last year during the start of the pandemic. And uh, now we also have uh, three boys as well. So my oldest is my daughter, Taylor, 19. Then I have three sons. They're the ages of 15, 12, and seven. So we have them spread out a little bit. And so that's a little bit about us and our uh, family. So when David asked me to speak today, uh, first of all, I'm very grateful for the opportunity to speak to you guys. And thank you to the other speakers who are adding value to today's content as well. 
What I will tell you is that uh, David asked me if I would speak on the father's influence in the home. And as I was before the Lord and just asking, you know, Lord, there's, there's many things I can speak about. There's many things I have taught about, but what would you have? You know, one of the things I always feel is whenever I go and do a speaking, whether if it's in the capacity of my ministry, I've also been a C-level executive for quite some time now as well. And so whenever I'm going and I'm speaking, whether it be on leadership, if I'm speaking to men, if I'm speaking to personal growth, if I'm teaching seminars of, of success or something of that nature or anything related with our ministry, one of the things I always do regardless is I always ask the Lord, Lord, what would you have me speak? I learned a long time ago that you never try to cater your message to the people who you may think might be in the audience. You cater your message to the leading and guiding of the Holy Spirit. And so the reason why I do that is whenever I give my commitment to be at a, at a teaching or a speaking engagement, there's only two people who I know are going to be there. I mean, I can think back to the times when I used to live in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and I had Bible studies in my house and we'd have people show up. And uh, even though there was high, high probability that my wife was going to be there and my children because they lived there with me, there were only two people who I knew were going to be there for sure. It was going to be me because I committed myself and gave my word to teach and be there and the Holy Spirit, because I invited him to be there and lead and guide me in all truth. And so when I go and speak, or when I'm invited to speak, one of the things I always ask the Lord is, Lord, what would you have me say to these people? Because only the Lord knows who's going to show up. Only the Lord knows who's going to be there, the areas that they need to be encouraged in, the areas that they need to be taught in. You know, I remember years ago, I heard a phrase from someone that I know, a close friend of mine at the time, who told me this, and, and it's always stuck with me, and the Lord has used this over and over in our ministry to teach. And it's that the truth of that man knows how many seeds may come from one apple, but only God knows how many apples can come from one seed. I'm going to say that again. Man knows if you were to cut an apple open, man knows how many seeds may come from one apple, but only God knows how many apples may come from one seed. It's significant, significant. And when I talk about a lot of times I'm talking about purpose in life, I'm talking about connecting with your destiny and things of that nature. And when we talk about the father's influence in the home, I will tell you that as I reflect on my life and where I'm at right now, and by no means am I done, praise God, but as I reflect on my life and where I'm at, I will tell you the single most valuable thing I've ever done as a parent and as a father is I've taught my children how to hear and know the voice of God and how to lean into it. In fact, I would tell you that if the Lord... Um, if I left this earth today and started my next journey in heaven for eternity, I would tell you that while I know that that might be difficult for a period for my children, I know that they would be successful in life because I've taught them how to hear the Father's voice. And when I say on how to hear the Father's voice, I'm not talking about my voice. I've taught them how to hear the Lord's voice. I've taught them to know what it sounds like. I taught them to know when it's the difference of, is that an idea I had, or is that something that was dropped in my spirit by the Lord? And I've taught them how to follow that guiding. You know, it tells us in the word that the Holy Spirit will lead and guide us in all truth. But we have to understand what truth looks like. You know, the previous speaker was talking a little bit about the politics and stuff at the end. And what I will tell you that we are living in a time where people are searching for truth. But people have lost connection with what truth actually sounds like. So what they're being distracted with in life instead is whomever has the loudest voice, whomever is making the most noise. There's a teaching that I have, and I also posted it in one of our magazines as well, and it's called uh, God's Radio Station. And if any of you ever go on the road or have ever been on a road trip, one of the things I will tell you is for me, 
high value windshield time. That's what I refer to it as. Because there's something about when you're on the road and a certain percentage of your mind is engaged and focused on the task of holding your hands on the wheel and looking down the road, but the rest of you kind of can go into autopilot. And it goes into autopilot because it only requires a certain small percentage of that. And it seems like things can kind of get quiet around you. And when you do, those are some of the moments in which I hear from the Lord the loudest and in which I fellowship with him. It's a friendship to me. It's a relationship to me. But I'll tell you in using this example, one of the things that happens if you've ever been down the road is as maybe when you're leaving town, perhaps you have the radio station or perhaps you have the radio on your favorite radio station. And the farther you drive down the road, it starts to get a little staticky. Maybe the signal fades in and out a little bit. Get down the road a little farther. Maybe you go over a hill and it starts to disconnect. Go over another hill. Maybe it comes back on. And so what most people do at that point is they'll start looking for other radio stations. Now, before when we had uh, smartphones and MP3s and everything you can carry in your car, people would tend to hit the scan button on their radio and they would let it scan for a different frequency. And what would happen is as you get far enough out, it'll scan and if it can't pick up another frequency, it just loops and loops and loops. And now not only is it looping because it can't find another frequency, it's also disconnected from the frequency that you were locked into. You could actually go back and dial it back into exactly where you were at and you will have lost that radio station because you lost the connection, so you lost the strength. And what I will tell you when you look at that, listening to God's word and being close to him is much of the same thing. What happens is if you go one dial, you know, even if you, you're a little out of town or even in town and you have a strong reception, if you move that dial one spot to the right or one spot to the left, instant static. Maybe it kind of comes through. You move two steps over and you've lost it completely. Listening to the Father's voice, in, and especially as fathers in our homes, is about being locked into God, being locked into his word, being locked into his voice, and placing that above all else. I understand that there's a lot of distractions within this world, and like I talked about, people are looking for truth right now, but they're being distracted by the noise. They're being distracted by the loudest voice. Sometimes people will ask, well, I can't hear God's voice, Neil. I don't know what that sounds like. But I will tell you is in the word, it tells us that if you are saved and born again, that if you've accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, Jesus has a promise for us that my children know me and they hear my voice. So God's word cannot err. We know it's a truth and we know it's a promise we can stand on. You know, his word says in Isaiah 55, 11, that his word cannot return to him void, but it has to accomplish exactly what he said it would accomplish. So either God is the father of truth or he's not the truth at all. And we know he's the father of truth. So if there's something that's in God's word that I don't find to be working within my life, as men and husbands of our household, head of our households, we're never to try to make God's word fit our life. We're to make our lives fit against his word. And sometimes that requires pruning and it requires trimming of the things that are within our lives, the characteristics, the qualities. Maybe there's times where we think that those are the things that make us who we are and they're good things, but they're not. Sometimes we have to trim that. And as we turn around and we stand on the truth of God's word, that my children know me and they hear my voice, they know my voice. If I'm not hearing God's voice, then I have to ask myself, Lord, what's blocking out your voice? And it's not that God has stopped talking to us, it's that you haven't trained yourself 
to know what that voice sounds like. I will tell you that earlier today, I was on a conference call with some another group of people. And as I was, the different people, as they're speaking on the line, they didn't even have to announce themselves. I already knew who they were. I recognized their voice by the tone of it. But the way I recognize their voice by the tone of it is these are people who I stay in contact with on a regular or semi-regular basis. But if one of those same individuals calls me 20 years from now and we haven't spoke, unless they have an extremely distinct voice, if they call me up and they say, hey, what's up, Pastor Neil? Hey, what's up, Brother Neil? It may take me a minute to figure out who that is if I'm not looking at the caller ID or the contact on my phone. Why? because we're not in regular fellowship, so I don't know what their voice sounds like. And so the more we stay in contact with people, the more we recognize the sound of their voice, the tone of their voice. And so the more we stay in fellowship with the Lord, the more we understand the tone and context of his voice. One of the things I'll share with you is that when God speaks to us as individuals, oftentimes when I'm teaching, I'll talk about that, do you know the other day I was fellowship with the Lord and he told me this, or the Lord was telling me this earlier today, or he was sharing this to me. And sometimes I'll hear people say, you know, Neil, I don't hear God's voice like you. I and mean, I've heard, held, uh, had people, it's been a while now, but I've had people tell me in the past, like, you know, Neil, when you speak, uh, it sounds like you're way up here and you can hear God's real, your voice real clear, but I feel like I'm way down here and I can't hear it. And I don't understand what that is. And oftentimes what I tell them is I said, hey, I'm never boasting about what I hear. I'm just sharing with you about a friend. You know, my wife, who I love and have been with, like I said, going on 23 years of marriage, I constantly talk about my wife. I constantly talk about my children. Why? because I'm passionate about that. I love them and they mean something to me. I don't go very long in a conversation without talking about the Lord and what he means to me or the things he shared with me. And so one of the things I tell them is I said, hey, understand this. When God speaks to us, each of us, you'll never hear his voice the same way I do. But that doesn't mean you can't hear his voice as well as I do. That doesn't mean you can't hear his voice as clearly as I do. All that means is you'll never hear his voice the same way I do because God speaks to us based around our individual personalities. My personality, and sometimes we have, you know, like when we're close friends with someone else, we might call it like a brother from another mother or something like that. And we're close and we compliment each other. Maybe sometimes we have uh, different uh, personalities, but maybe sometimes they're very identical. But even then God has created each of us in a unique way. He's created us within his image fearfully and wonderfully made in his image, but he's created each of us unique. And when God created man and he created woman, he took a certain set of characteristics from him and placed them in men. And then he took a certain set of characteristic or attributes and placed them in women. That's why when you have these godly characteristics, sometimes the male has certain characteristics that all males have, and that's a reflection of the father. And at other times, you have characteristics or attributes that are found in women on a wide scale. And those are characteristics that are a reflection of the father. As fathers, we all have children. And sometimes we see our children where maybe they're a little more like dad or maybe a little bit more like mom. But you see characteristics from both or attributes from both. God has created us in the same exact manner. He's created us fearfully and wonderfully made within his image. And so when we turn around and we talk about hearing God's voice, one of the things I've done with my children, just the same as I've done with others, because I will tell you the first battleground you have to win is the battleground at home. You have to be able, you can't have a ministry and you can't have a platform to speak and, and reach others and influence others if you don't first influence the people who are closest to you. And you have to be able to influence them in a way where they, where you, they know that you love them. 
And so I've taught each of my children to know that this is how God's voice sounds. You've been created unique in his ways. And as you've been created unique, his voice will sound differently to you than it will to me. But this is what his voice is. And oftentimes that voice of God falls, it comes in in the form of an idea. But most times it comes in through your conscience. And as you learn to lean into the conscience, everyone in life has been given this moral compass. And this moral compass is what points north. And this moral compass that points north, that's why you have even uh, children when they're real little and they're, they're barely starting to learn about right and wrong. They know when they've done wrong. If you if a parent has never given them a specific instruction of don't do this, the child still knows inside of them to some degree that doing that is wrong because they've got this moral compass inside of them. It's part of their spiritual DNA. When God breathed life into that person, into that being, into that child, when he breathed life into them, he breathed the spiritual DNA and that spiritual DNA has a moral compass that points north. And as that moral compass points north, it always points you towards the Father. Where we get lost in life and where we get confused is when we try to turn around and make our compass, instead of pointing north, point west or point east or a different direction. We can never override the spiritual design or DNA that God has built us with. We just cannot. He's the creator and you're his creation. And if you're saved or born again, the Bible tells us that you're also his son. In this case, you're definitely a son. If I'm speaking to women, they'd be the daughter. But you're not an automatic son of God or a child of God just because you know there's a God or just because there is a God. You become a son of the father when you accept him in your life as your father, as your spiritual father. And so as I'm speaking a little bit about hearing the voice of God, I got some other topics we're going to cover as well, but it's about understanding and knowing the voice of God and understanding and knowing the voice of God starts with a conscience. It starts with your conscience. There's a conference that I go around and I teach, and it's about helping people how to understand the failures that they've gone through in life. Sometimes there's failures that are shadowing over them and holding them down in shame. Sometimes there's failures that they're, they've forgotten about because they pushed away. You know, they treat it kind of like garbage. You know, if you have a pantry in your kitchen and you have a garbage can, say, in your kitchen and you take the trash, but instead of taking it outside of the trash can, you go and toss it in the pantry and close the door. If you wait a day or two, you're gonna, it's going to start to stink. You're going to open that door up and it's going to smell. Well, you can shove it a little further to the back, maybe spray some aerosol or something like that, some Febreze or something to try to cover up the smell and mask it because you're dealing with the symptoms, but you're not dealing with the root. And as you do that, you'll leave and it may smell pleasant for a day or so, but then it starts to stink. And eventually you stick it so far in the back, you even start to pile things on top of it to try to hide the smell. But no matter what you do, it's always going to smell like garbage because you've allowed garbage to stay inside your pantry. So garbage in will always smell like garbage out. And so as fathers, we have to be able to help lead our homes in the way of understanding how to clear out the garbage. And so when I'm teaching this course, this course that I teach, it's called Pure Heart, Clean Conscience. Because what we teach people is when they learn how to deal with the issues of their heart, the issues of life that have been handed down to them, whether it be in the form of generational curses, you know, it tells us in God's word that the iniquities of a person will flow down to their third and fourth generations, but their righteousness will flow down to a thousand generations. Let's explain what that is. When we talk about generational curses, 
Generational curses are often referred to in the word as a river of mud. Now, if anyone watches the news or if anyone's from the West Coast and you study what it's like in California, you know, in California, it seems like every year they have these strong wildfires in the hill country. And when they have these wildfires in the hill country, it burns up all the trees in that area. But what happens in the season after those wildfires is they'll have strong rain seasons. And as the rain comes down and hits that dirt, what happens is it begins to create these mudslides that start to come down the hill like an avalanche of snow, but it's a mudslide, it's an avalanche of mud. And the reason why is because the things that were keeping that dirt anchored in place and preventing that were the trees, but they're all burned up and they're gone. There was life that was there before that got burned up by an, by an external force. And when that gets burned up, what ends up happening is that when that rain hits and that mud starts to come down, if it happens in an area where there's neighborhoods, eventually as that mud comes down, after a while, it'll start to build momentum. Eventually, it starts to cover sidewalks. Eventually, as it goes further down, it'll pick up cars and just take them down the hill with it. Eventually, it'll take homes with it. And then eventually, it builds so much momentum, it obliterates everything in its sight. That is what the word's talking about when it's talking about a river of mud or generational curses. There are times in life where people are struggling with things in their life. And the areas that they're struggling with their life, real things, whether it be depression or anxiousness or, or the significant things, sometimes it can even be lust and different things of that nature. When those things happen, oftentimes those were iniquities, which the word describes as weaknesses, spiritual weaknesses. These are iniquities that could have started with the third and fourth generations above you. So that means that if you're here, one generation above you is your parents, two generations above you grandparents, three generations above you, great-grandparents. Most people have never known their great-grandparents. And so when generational curses are left unchecked, they spiritually begin to flow down like rivers of mud into family. And so when they do that, and then people are struggling with issues, I'm not saying try to uh, blame things on your, on your ancestors before you, but it is a very real thing. We've even linked this to things when we're speaking on healings and helping people understand about physical healings or internal healings or healing of the body. There's real things we can point to with this. And so when you have this river of mud flowing and you leave those items unchecked within your life, all those things begin to create noise within your life. And as they begin to create noise within your life, they'll also begin to go ahead and cause clouding around your conscience. And it was you have a conscience, if your conscience begins to become hardened in any way, it, the word tells us that you can sear your heart or sear your conscience. If any of you like eating steaks, I know I sure enjoy me a medium rare steak. If you turn around and you ever have steak, if you take a raw steak out of the package and it's bloody, it's not alive, but it's bloody. If you go and touch just the tip of it on a very hot grill and leave it there for just a short period and take it off, You'll notice that the rest of that meat is still bloody, but that one piece is seared. It's hard. It's like it's dead now. Now, I know the meat was dead already, but what I mean is, is the, where the life source of blood is still in, in the rest of the meat, that one section is now hard. It's hardened is what it is. And when we train ourselves not to listen to our conscience, when that, that moral compass that's with inside of us, that's pointing north, that says, don't do this. This is not good. You may not know where this is going to end up, but don't do this. This is not good. 
and you harden yourself against that and you harden yourself against listening to whether that's going to minister you or not, I'm going to explain to you that what that does is it sears your heart. And the word, it tells us that in a man's mind, a way might seem right, but in the end, it can lead to death. There's times it also tells us in Philippians 4, 7, that God has given us the peace that transcends or it surpasses all understanding. There's a possibility or a way for a person to, in their mind, something seems logical and it seems like the right thing to do. But in their heart, there's turmoil and there's no peace with it. That's God speaking to you not to rely on your logic, but to rely on your spirit and follow the peace. Don't do whatever that is, no matter how much sense it makes. Don't follow that. But yet there are equally other times in life where in your mind or in your logic, something may make absolutely no sense. But in your heart, you've got peace. And even though your mind may say, don't do this, that doesn't make any sense. Your heart has peace with it. And that's because the Lord leading and guiding you in all truth. So as I teach my kids about how to hear God's voice, these are the things that I've taught them. This is the influence of the father within his house. You know, I remember years and years ago, I used to live in uh, Aztec, New Mexico at one point. It's by the Four Corners area of New Mexico, which is up at the, I guess that'd be the northwestern part of the state where Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, and Utah all connect. And in that part of the state over there, I was listening. And I remember I used to work at a restaurant and I'd drive to work real early in the morning. And I was turning the radio on one day and I heard a gentleman by the name of Dr. Tony Evans. He's based out of the Metroplex area here in Dallas, Texas. And he was talking about the spiritual head of the, of the household. I had never heard about a spiritual head of a household at that time. So I started to study it. Well, I will tell you that that particular phrase has grown in momentum and popularity over the years since that time. And so you'll hear men who turn around and get saved or who start going to church and they'll hear their pastor mention it. And then they go home and try to tell their wife, hey, I'm the head of this household. You need to listen and do what I tell you. Let me explain something to you. As a husband, and let me explain this to you as a father as well. You're a leader. You've been called to be a leader in your house. And as a leader, someone is always watching you. You may not recognize you're being watched, but someone is always watching you because leaders are called to lead. And so how you treat your wife, how you treat your children and how you react to things is extremely, extremely important. That's valuable because there's life and death on the line, spiritual life and death on the line for your children. The right decisions and them being trained in the right ways can lead to physical life and death later in life as well at times based around their decisions. And as you turn around and you speak to your family and you show them how to love, you've got to show through example. You just don't show through words. And so as you turn around and you're being the spiritual head of the household, each one of you, and, and you might say, well, man, I'm on here, but I'm not really part of the spiritual aspect. That's okay, because God still designed you with that spiritual DNA inside of you and that moral compass, and he's placed an anointing on you, a talenting and a gifting for you to be the head of your household. But just because he's placed the anointing on you doesn't mean you've learned how to operate in it. You know, as a father, if you have a young child that's never learned how to ride a bike, and you go and turn around and buy a real nice mountain bike for them. And you go and say, hey, here's this beautiful mountain bike. I spent a couple thousand dollars on it and I'm giving this to you. This is yours. That's amazing. No one in the house is ever going to question whose the bike belongs to because they know it belongs to that child. But just because it belongs to the child, just because it's been given to the child 
does not mean the child knows what to do with it because if they've never been taught how to write it, they'll never be able to operate on it. That's the way it works as spiritual heads of the household and as fathers and leaders of our household as well. That's the position you must learn to grow into. How do you grow into it? You do it by learning to listen to the voice of God. You do it by having good mentors around you who are helping to teach you, helping to guide you, and helping to show you through example what it means to be a good husband or a good father. I'm also going to tell you that there's a correct biblical order within life too. And the biblical order within life is that it's always God first, then the husband, then the wife, then the children. As you being husbands, it's always God first, it's then your spouse, and then your children. You learn to love them through God. But if you put your children above your wife, that's like kicking your wife outside of the house. You've kicked her outside from her covering. One of the things that tells us in the book of Ephesians is that we've been given a shield of faith to withstand the fiery darts of it or attacks of the enemy. Having God as a covering over us is also like a supernatural umbrella covering. When the darts of this world or pressures of this world or attacks of this world are coming down on you, when you're in alignment with God, you're right here underneath him and you're underneath that. And when you hold your wife and children in the right spot, it's there, it's you, it's your wife, it's your children. It's not your mom, then your wife, then your children. It's, it's your wife, your children, and you're always in alignment with that. But if you put your children above your wife, your wife doesn't drop down in that order. She gets kicked outside. And as she gets kicked outside, when those attacks of the world are coming, you and your children may be there, but your wife's getting attacked. But let me explain how this works, because some people think that if you kick the wife out, the children move up. That's not how that works. They're all connected and aligned. So if you're, if the God's here and then it's you and then your wife and your children, if you kick your wife outside by holding your children up higher than they're supposed to, you don't just kick your wife out. She's above the children. So you kick them all outside your house. And as you're being attacked within your home and attacked within the issues of life and you can't figure out how to make things work, the first thing you have to turn to is, am I in spiritual alignment with God? We also can do that also with inside ourselves. Everyone's been made of a three-part being. You are a spirit that has a soul that lives in a body. You're not a soul. You're a spirit man, a spirit that has a soul that, that, that lives in a body. So your body's your lowest form. That's your physical earth suit. That's your physical being. Then you have your soul. That's comprised of three things. It's comprised of your mind, your will, and your emotions. Your mind, what you think with. Your will, what you choose with. Your emotions, what you feel with. And then you have your spirit, man. And so when you turn around and you have those out of order, things get wonky really quick. So what we tell people is we teach them how to get into alignment. And sometimes it starts with the saying, in the name of Jesus, I command my body line up to my soul. Soul, line up to my spirit. And spirit, line up to the spirit and word of God. There's a spiritual alignment physically as a head of a household, but there's a spiritual alignment as your personal being, as your spirit man being. If things are going rough and you're struggling and you can't seem to make things work and it seems like things are attacking you or you're exposed, it could be that you're out of alignment. And if you're out of alignment, it tells us in God's word that when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, He'll cause his paths to be straight, or he'll cause his enemies to be at peace with them. 
So when we're influencing the family, when we're influencing our spouses and our children, we teach them through alignment. Now, one thing I want to understand is that, or want you to understand is that by being the head of your household, that doesn't mean that every decision of that household runs through you. That doesn't mean that every decision always has to be your decision and your wife gets no say so. When God created woman, she, he created woman from Adam's rib, but he didn't pull Adam's rib out from the bottom of his foot. He pulled the rib out from his side, meaning your wife is supposed to be equally yoked and joined by you by your side. She's not supposed to be underneath your foot because you trample on her and you dominate her. She's your wife that you hold up in high esteem. And while there's a spiritual order there, because you love her, you're actually supposed to even put her and her needs above your own. You're supposed to put your children's needs above your own. That's what being a father is. You know, I will tell you that when I'm speaking in success circles and I'm teaching people about success, it seems like there's so many people out there within this world that when they're getting successful in what they do, that their that their fathers sometimes, and this is baffling to me, but their fathers want the kid to do well, but not be more successful or more prominent than they've been in life. That baffles me. I never understand that. Where I view it as, is I'm grateful for all my parents have done for me. I recognize that I'm where I'm at because I'm standing on the shoulders of my parents. So I honor them. I honor the name that's been given to me. I honor what they've done and who they are. And I never turn around and look down on them. I, I look up to them because they did what they've done to give me a place where I had a successful start in life. It's not about how much money you make. It's not about how much money they made or what they were able to provide for you. It's about the upbringing of what they've done to give you a head start in life. You always honor them. And there may be those that said, well, my dad walked out of me or my mom wasn't really around. Well, they gave you life and that's something to stand on. So there's a point of honor. It tells us in the word that if you want to live a long life, honor your mother and father. That's a key to living a long life. So with my children, I'm not done yet. I'm still shooting and moving up and doing being as successful as I can. But the desire of my heart is that my children learn to stand on my shoulders and accomplish far greater than what I will in this world. That they impact far more people than I will within this world because I gave them the correct head start for them to stand on. A couple of the things I want to just uh, explain with you guys is that as a head of a household, it's important that when we're talking about the influence of a father, it's important for your family to know that you love them. How do they know that you love them? They know because you show it. You show it to them. This is something that you do with action. Actions always speak louder than words. You know, you can quote all the scriptures to your family you want and tell them about head knowledge. But if they never see the action coming from your heart, they'll never turn around and respond to that. You know, I will tell you that there's a big difference between head knowledge and heart knowledge. Head knowledge is knowing maybe what God's word has to say. Heart knowledge is knowing how to apply it within your life. God gave me a teaching a while back called the difference between knowledge versus wisdom. Knowledge is when someone knows what God's word has to say about their life. Wisdom is knowing how to apply it to your life. I will tell you that even the devil knows the word of God. Now he twists it and he speaks it in partial truths where it sort of sounds accurate, but it's not fully accurate. He even tempted Jesus with that when he was out in the wilderness. 
But what I will tell you is that it's about understanding the truth of God's word, understanding how to stand on that, understanding how to be a, a, a what that he's going to do what he said he's going to do. And as fathers, we mimic that within the homes. The father's influence starts with how you treat your spouse. It starts with then how you love your children. And they can't just hear that daddy loves them. They've got to know daddy loves them. The one thing I want to talk to you guys about as I begin to close as well is I want to talk to you about legacy. What type of legacy are you leaving within your households? You know, it tells us in the word, there's a scripture in the word that says the sins of the father will be visited upon the sons. I can line that up with teachings about that river of mud that we talked about earlier. But here's what that means. There are issues that some of you may be facing in life that we know were handed down to you, almost like an inheritance, a spiritual inheritance. But we also know that there are issues in your own life that if you have unresolved matters of the heart, if you're not careful, you pass those down to your children as well. And if you really love them, there's things that you can pass down to your spouse. There's things that you can that you can open up and expose her to. There's things that you can pass down to your children. And, you know, sometimes where you guys are each at in life, I teach this to people, is that where you're based at in life is based on the decisions you made yesterday. And where you'll be tomorrow is based on the decisions you make today. It's made by decisions that you made over and over and over again. They're compound decisions. You know what I will tell you is when we're talking about marriage, marriages do not crumble within a day. If you have a marriage and it's not working right now, I will tell you marriages never crumble within a day. They crumble over time. So when you go to put the work in for fighting for that marriage, and I feel impressed to say this because I think there's either someone who struggled with this or someone who's on right now, but maybe you're at a point within your life, this is the Holy Spirit speaking right here, Maybe you're at a point in your life right now where you're debating, should I give up? Should I step out of this situation? And so you kind of weigh it on scales. You say, well, if I stay in my marriage and try to make it work, let me rephrase this differently. You say, if I cut bait and run now, I've already been through a tremendous amount of pain and I'm definitely unhappy and so is she. But if I cut loose and get out of this thing, I'm going to go through maybe this much pain, but eventually I'll get past it and move on with my life. But if I try to stay and make this work, I don't know what that equates to. I don't know how much pain that is. And what's the purpose of going through all of this and not working and I still have to go through this? And that's the lie and deception of the enemy. The enemy will always make you feel or try to make you feel like you're an island unto yourself. Like you're the only one who's experiencing this, the only one who's ever done this or gone through this. And what I will tell you about that is when you look at that, I was once there as well within my marriage as well, early on within my marriage. You know, I tell people, people say that, oh, marriage is hard work. I'm going to tell you that that's a lie from the pit of hell. Marriage is not hard work, but you do have to work hard at it. I'm going to say that again. Marriage is not hard work but you do have to work hard at it. And so when we turn around and we work on working hard at our marriage and within our marriage, we have to fight and contend for those that we love. We have to continually stand to help them know how much we love them. And the lie of the enemy is that, well, if you cut bait now, it's gonna be this much pain. But if you turn around and stay in, man, every step you make back towards where you were at at one point, is going to feel like just like it was coming down. 
And I'm going to tell you that's a lie. Because when you work on your marriage and you really work on it and sow it, every step you take back to where you were feels like marital bliss because it gets better and better and better. And so I'm going to encourage you, if you're here and you're struggling in this, if you're struggling with your marriage, maybe you've already separated and you're in the facing the divorce, but you're having thoughts or second thoughts, or maybe you're hearing this little voice inside about maybe this isn't the right thing to do. Maybe you've already started another relationship, but you're wondering, is this the right thing to do? And you're like, you know, Neil, I understand that, but I'm just trying to be a good father, but my marriage is not working out or it didn't work out. I'm going to share with you how to connect with me after this uh, speaking session. And I'm going to tell you, reach out. I took time to be here today because this is important to me. Mm. I took time to be here today because this is valuable to me. And so what I will do is I will share my information with you on how you can reach out and we'll have a conversation. I'll be there with you to help encourage you. I'll be there with you to share some things out of my own life. Man, I can talk about marriage. We're not talking about that for the day, but I can be there to help you with that. And what I will tell you is as you're there, if you're struggling in those situations, I've got stories over stories over people that we've helped. And I will tell you it's about, it's an act that's done in love to help people out. Mm. And sometimes it's hard. I'm not going to say it's not, but marriage can be so rewarding that when you get back to it, I've had people who have were married, they got divorced and then got married again because they learned how to fix those issues. They learned how to fix those things. Mm. And if you're at a point where you're like, Neil, I, I was married and I got divorced. And man, I just, I was at a different place at that point, but now I realize what happened and I want to be back, but she's already started another marriage or another family and you're hurting inside and you don't know how to heal over that. I can help you with that too. Now it's all the Lord and none of me, but I can help you with that too. And I want you to know, and I feel so impressed to say this right now. Oh, God wants you to know that as his son, you are loved. Mm -hmm. And he wants you to know if you've never heard this from anyone else, he wants you to know just how proud of you as his father, as your father he is. Now, some people say, oh, God doesn't, he's against pride. He is, but he was, his words for you be is that I'm pleased with you, son. Mm. But the word pleased sometimes doesn't resonate with people, especially in the American culture. But the word proud does, and it doesn't mean he's prideful about you, but he's saying, son, I'm proud of you. I know where you've been in life. I know those steps that you've taken and the pain that you're going through but I want you to know that I have something better for you. I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans to lift you up. They're plans to prosper you. They're plans to bless you. And just because you can't see them right now, it does not mean that they're not there. My promises are not lost or wasted on you. My words are not lost or wasted on you. I have a better way for you. But all I'm asking you first is to seek me first as your father. And once you place me first within your life, we'll get there together. I'm going to turn around and help you with this. I'm going to turn around and help you to overcome. And when you look back in just a short period, because I'm the God of wonders, there are things that people say will never happen. There are things that people say will take a lifetime and may never happen. I'm the God of wow. And I can wow you because the things that people say will take years, decades, or maybe never at all. I can do a matter in a matter of days, weeks, and even months. You'll look back in a short time, a period, and you'll look at it and you'll say, my gosh, my gosh, Lord, you've humbled me because look at what you've done. Look at what you've done. But where it starts with is sometimes people think God's always in control. But if God's always in control, then why do bad things happen? Why do sometimes bad things happen to good people? Mm -hmm. God's in control when you allow him to be in control. 
God's in control when you place him in control. And when you do those things and you allowed him to lead and guide you in all truth and to commission your footsteps and you say, yes, Lord, I'll answer. That tells us in Isaiah 119 that if you are willing and if you're obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. But it takes two things. It doesn't just take obedience and it's not just willing. But if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. God will help you with that. I have more that I wanted to share with you guys today, but I want to be respectful of your time. But mm. at the same time, what's important when I come to speak is that I always say, Lord, let the words that I speak be all of you, Lord, and none of me. Amen. Let them be you. And I may have had this teaching that I put together or all these things we put together, but we have to understand not to go past the moment that Christ has given us, because then at that point, it's just me jabbering on and you don't need to hear that. What mm. you needed to hear today was a refreshing word from the Lord. Some of you signed on to this and you're not into the faith thing. I get that. That's okay. I'm not saying you have to be. You can still be a great father. You can still be a great husband. But what I'm telling you is where do we get those attributes? They all come from above. They all come from the father because he's crafted that. He's the one that's put that spiritual DNA in you. He's put that moral compass inside of you. And so what I'll share with you is that as we begin to close is that I want you to understand how loved each of you are. I want to encourage you as a brother to you that, man, the best is yet to come. The best is yet to come. Don't be listening to all the noise that's going on right now with the pandemic and stuff. God's seeing plagues rise and fall before. You know, don't be stressed about what's going on within work or if you're going to have a job or if you're going to be able to make those bills and stuff. I'm not saying those things aren't important, but don't be stressed by that. You know, let me help you put it into clarity. You know, one of the things I was talking to my wife about recently is actually last night we were talking about the action of death. You know, death is something that when it happens close to us is very difficult to deal with at times. But there's nothing quite as sobering as death because death brings clarity to the things that are actually important. You know, if we look at earlier in the year, one of the things the Lord gave us for our ministry each year, he gives us a spoken word about the upcoming year. And that the in 2019, he gave me a word that the year of 2020 was going to be a year of visions, victories, and awakenings. And we've seen all of them, and we're getting ready to see some other things coming up louder than that, too. And a great awakenings. You hear people talking about that great awakenings are happening, especially in the body of Christ. But we've seen a lot of awakenings. You know, when we came right across out of the new year, there were fires in Australia. It seemed like their whole country was on fire, and you never hear about that. And then you have other things that started happening. And then one of the things that happened that really struck with a lot of people in the sports world, but even people who aren't plugged into sports, was Kobe Bryant early in the year, him and his wife died on a helicopter crash, a tragic way to go. And it really shook the whole world. You even had celebrities and stuff like that. They were like, they were shook. They're like, man, I was on the way to an awards show or I was on the way to this. And I heard that news and man, it just, it was so shocking because he was such a popular figure among people and his daughter that he had as well. Now, there's been many awakenings that have happened within this time. But when I talk about death, nothing is quite so sobering as an act of death. Now, I mentioned that, but one of the things I share with you is this. When we look at what God's doing in our lives, when we look at what he's trying to call and come to pass within our lives, the first thing he wants you to know is he's sobering you up. There, you may not be experiencing death around you in a physical nature, but there can be spiritual death you're experiencing within the inside. And oftentimes it comes by not handling your past or by taking care of things that are plaguing you on the inside. Sometimes you're running from these things because you're struggling with them. 
and you want to be the good husband, you want to be the good father, but gosh, how can you be that when it seems like you're just trying to hold it together yourself? You know, to put things in perspective, like I was talking about a second ago, don't stress out. This morning, let me have a newsflash for you. This morning, the sun rose all by itself without needing your help. Here in a few hours, it's going to set at night without any of your help. And tomorrow morning, guess what? It's going to rise again all by itself without your help. Quit worrying about the things that you just can't control. Learn to place your life in the hands of the Lord. Learn to place your trust in him. And even though the situations you're in may be struggling right now, those marriages and those families, they don't crumble in a day. But when you give them over to God, they don't come out of the hole in the same day either. Mm. But each step you make to come out of the hole will make it better. You'll grow. And in a short time, you'll have a legacy that as you look back, you'll say, why did I ever do it differently than this way right here? And you don't get to Happy Street and then do it on your own. You get to Happy Street and you let the Lord continue to lead and guide you in truth in all his ways. And you continue to put your face before him over and over and over again. And as husbands and as fathers, you wake up and you do it all over again the day and the next day and the next day and the next day. But you're always pushing to go forward, to go forward, mm. to go forward. But if there's things in life that are weighing you down right now, I'm going to share with you. Don't stress over it. You may say easier said than done, Neil. Don't stress over it. Mm. Worrying over that thing is not going to add one minute to your life. In fact, there are studies out there that show that when a person worries, it actually can take years off of their life. Don't worry over that thing. Learn to trust and learn to rest in him. David, I want to thank you for the time to speak today, brother. I appreciate you. Amen, brother Neil. Thank you for such a, a powerful, uh, just scripture-filled message, dude. I mean, man, I'm blown away. I took a bunch of notes. I mean, uh, you know, you added tremendous value to this with just your presence and, and everything you had, your insights and uh, how a father should be and stuff like that, dude. And man, thank you. Thank you so much, brother. God bless you. And uh, we welcome Andrew Aranda next. Brother Neil, before you get off, can you share your email or how people can get a hold of you? Oh, go ahead. I'll mute him real quick. I got you. I got you. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. All right, brother. Yeah. The best way to get a hold of me is uh, if you go to our website, it's at neilreyes.com. I spell my name with an A because God made me awesome. Praise God. So N-E-A-L-R-E-Y-E-S.com. So neilreyes.com. You can find out how to connect us on there. There's a uh, connect with us form on there that if you send me a connection, it's a form that you fill out the email. It'll come directly to us. We don't list a phone number on the site because uh, I guess what I would share with you guys is all of our teachings that we do. We also have a YouTube channel, social media. But if you go on YouTube and just look up Neil Reyes, you'll find all of our teachings that we've done on there. My 19-year-old daughter, Taylor, she has teachings that she's already doing on there that she started several years ago that God's ministered to her in her life. So she's speaking now too. In there, you have all of our teachings. Some of them are short between 10 and 15 minutes. Some of them go up to an hour. Some of them are 30 minutes. Our TV show is about 30 minutes. And uh, you can reach out to us in there. We'll get in contact with you. And our website's the best way to get a hold of us. Right now, about 50% of all of our traffic, it's been this way for many years, but 50% of all of our traffic is from the United States. And the other 50% is worldwide across the world. It's real spread out. So we don't list a phone number on our sites just because we don't have 
I haven't felt led to put the resources in the place of having to answer the phone because it would distract or take away from what God wants me doing and how he wants me ministering. But mm-hmm. what I will tell you is that if you reach out to us through our website on that connect form, just simply even say that you were at this summit, that email will come directly to me and you'll get a response directly from me. Awesome, brother. Thank you so much for sharing. And we, we love you, bro. And just thank you, dude, for your encouragement and everything you're doing, bro. Thank you so thank much. You. Yes, sir. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you.